Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. To kick this one off, I want to talk about, briefly talk about a couple products that I've tried out lately that I want to share with people. Now, normally I don't do a lot of reviews, and full disclosure, I get offered a lot of free stuff. And for most people, they probably think that sounds amazing. You know, when I first started doing this, it was kind of cool. Every once in a while, you get approached by somebody. It's like, hey, I'd like to send you something for free. But my thing is, if I'm going to review something, I'd rather it be something I spent my money for. And I, I got in a discussion recently with somebody in the comment section that could not believe that I had this mindset. They're like, listen, you're doing us a service. You know, take the stuff, review it. But my thing is, I, I hate like when you see celebrities promoting something, you know darn well they don't use it. They were paid to use it. It's just, it seems disingenuous to have somebody hand you something and turn around and give them a glowing review. Now, it may be a legitimate glowing review, but always in the back of my mind, when I personally see something like that, I think, well, of course you got a really good review. It's like with Amazon, they do this thing where you can, you know, they'll send you something and specifically they want you to review it. And if you look at, they'll send it for free and you get to review it for them. That's the trade-off. And you look at them and the majority of those reviews are sparkling. So it's almost like you're buying good reviews. So I would rather people know that I, I buy the stuff myself or spend money on it. What will happen is sometimes I'll, I'll buy some stuff and somebody will throw something in for free. And so if you ever watch my videos, you'll notice I'll comment and go, oh, looks like we got some freebies here. But I always try to put my own money toward it so you guys can at least know it's something that I spent my money on. I know really early on when I was doing the YouTube thing, I picked up a box of spiders from somewhere and somebody came on and was like, yeah, it must be nice to get all that free stuff from people. I wish I had a YouTube channel so I could get free stuff. And I was like so insulted because I, I bought it. I, I spent money for it. I didn't even get a freebie in this one if I remember correctly. So I, it's just a personal thing for me. So know that if you approach me with something that you want me to check out, the way it usually goes is if it's something I'm interested in, then I'll go and buy a couple and I'll, I'll be able to say, hey, I ordered from it just like any other person and here we go. And it's nothing personal if I don't order anything. Sometimes I get approached with stuff that's just, it's not my cup of tea. So it's like, you don't want me to review it in the first place because I'm going to say this isn't really my cup of tea. So I'm not the guy you want. But if you come to me with something and I'm like, Ooh, this is a really great idea. Then yeah, I have no problem putting some money toward it and being able to, to produce at least a genuine review that people know they can trust because my money was behind the purchase. So anyway, long story short, Buddy Reinhold, who I've talked to for years, lives in Germany. Uh, I, one cool thing about Tom's Big Spiders, I get to talk to people all around the world. And we're talking, I don't know, two and a half years or so on and off. He'll hit me up with an email, with a message, and we'll go back and forth. But anyway, he approached me and said he was designing some new enclosures. And obviously, being in Germany, he's in Europe. And one big issue I have is I buy a lot of acrylic enclosures. Lately, I've bought a lot from a, different, a lot of different people because, again, I like to pick them up and review them and tell people what my thoughts are on them. Plus, they look really nice in my collection, so I've been trying to upgrade some of my enclosures. Well, every time I post up one of these videos, I get somebody from Europe or the UK that comes on and basically says, man, we don't have anything like that around here. I wish we had some of those. Now, in the UK and in Europe, they have the glass enclosures that I would love to get my hands on. They have some really cool designs, but as usually is the case, if somebody's got something you don't have, you don't like what you got as much, you want to get what the other person has. So I'm over here looking at the glass cases going, man, those would be great. They're over here looking at our acrylics going, those would be great. So when Reinhold came to me and said that he was producing, they were producing a set of enclosures, some designs for the European market, I was ecstatic because I really was had been looking for the opportunity. I've been looking for places. I'm also looking for Canada. So anybody that's in Canada that has enclosures, you know, let me know. There's obviously there's a huge group of people over there that are looking for enclosures as well. But this would cover the European market. So he asked to send one. I said, let me send you some money. So anyway, he ended up sending two enclosures 
they came in. Now, the name of the company is Arachnosis, and Reinhold is a hobbyist. This isn't one of these deals where somebody just popped up and went, hey, look at these crazy tarantula people want some enclosures. I'll make some up. He's a legit hobbyist, and I think that needs to be stated. And you can tell in the design in some of these enclosures because they really are thinking outside of the box with them. And I will tell you, I'm kind of jealous that the European market has these now because I want more of them. But the cost of shipping is so ridiculously high that until they get U.S. distributors, they're kind of out of reach for a bit. But Anyway, I did a review, kind of a review form. I hate calling it a review, but it's a review. I, I unbox them, but I also put one together because they come disassembled. They're kind of like the, I believe it's Zilla makes them now, some type of uh, small animal enclosure, but they have tarantulas all over the boxes. So they're obviously marketing them towards tarantula keepers. And they, unlike those, these go together much more flushly, if that's a word. With those, they have like the little tabs that come out the side and you have to put rubber bands around them. And I, I don't like the look of them. Now, I am going to buy some to try them out because I have a lot of people ask me about them. I can tell you now, aesthetically, I don't like them. I bought similar ones before. They're like ones that from, I believe I got them from China. And I, I took them out of circulation rather quickly because I just didn't like the puzzle format of them. I like putting them together, don't get me wrong, but I didn't like the way they look. These are much more flush. They're very sturdy. They have solid litter dams. They're put together using bolts and nuts as opposed to the rubber bands, which I absolutely appreciate. They even included a wrench for it, which I thought was great because I'm running around the house trying to find a seven millimeter wrench. And then I look in the box and there was one there. So anyway, for folks that are in Europe, in the UK, they do ship to the UK, despite Brexit, apparently they've worked it out so they don't have to worry about the cut. I know there's some new customs thing now because you guys can't just get stuff from other countries in Europe without getting stopped at the border, whatever it is. Uh, that's apparently all been taken care of. And they have a lot of designs. So the one, that, the two that I got, one of them is a giant uh, boreal enclosure that opens from both the front and top, which if anybody's watched my videos knows I love the top opening ones, but I also love to have the, the, the choice of where to go into the enclosure if I'm doing a rehousing or something. They also sent one that is called the terrestrial, I think it's terrestrial medium, uh, terrestrial M SL, which means slant because the front is slanted. So the back of the back wall of the enclosure is actually 12 inches. The front wall of the enclosure is five inches, if you can picture it. And then there's the front comes down at an angle. So it just gives you such a wonderful viewing area. And I did rehouse one of my grandma stole a pulcher one of my favorites into this one. It looks beautiful. So again, this isn't, and I want to make this very clear with both products I'm going to be talking about today. I understand people who don't want to spend money on expensive things for the hobby. I totally get it. I did this video and I actually at one point lift the camera up and I said, so for people that think I'm being like a snob with the enclosures, I still use a ton of Sterilite in the background. I still use a ton of Sterilite in my collection and I have used Sterilite for years and will continue to use Sterilite for years. This is just for people that are looking for upgrades or something nicer or only have a hand full and want to get some nice enclosures for him and of course there was still one guy that came on and went into this big thing about you know wasting money on drove me nuts and I actually just I cut the timestamp and stuck it down there for him because I, I purposely mentioned it in the video because I knew this was going to happen but I'm not here to convince people you have to put your tarantulas in acrylic enclosures I'm not if you're using Sterilite use Sterilite there is nothing wrong with that I hate the snobbery from both sides because back in the day a lot of people, you know, would keep their stuff in Sterilite and they'd get all snobby. Uh, people that were keeping their stuff in like the acrylics and the glass would get all snobby and say, why do you got them in those opaque plastic boxes? You spend all this money on a spider and you put it in that garbage. And then we would have the reverse of that, the the other side, which would be people that have their stuff 
in the Sterilite boxes and they get all upset if somebody goes out and wants to spend 100 bucks on a nice acrylic enclosure. What does it matter to you? It's not your money. Just let people do what they want to do. So this, I'm talking to people who are in Europe that are looking for nicer uh, enclosures that don't mind spending a little bit money for them. For those of you that aren't into them, totally fine. Believe me, I get it. So again, I'm not being sponsored by them. I don't get anything for promoting them. This is just a product that I saw that I know there's been a lot of people asking about it. So I'm passing it along. So folks that want to check it out, I will put a link to the video in this podcast description. So that if you want to check it out, just hop over to thomasbigspiders.com, look at the latest video, see if it's something you'd like. They do. I would implore you if there's something you look at and you go, wow, these are kind of interesting. He only sent two different designs. There are ones that actually mount on walls that are gorgeous. There are stackable ones, large stackable ones, smaller terrestrial stackable ones. There are sling enclosures, juvenile enclosures, the whole nine yards. Again, they're, they're going to cost you some money, but for people that are looking for that kind of stuff, definitely encourage you to check them out. Now, the other thing I'm going to be talking about today is I got approached by Susan recently, who is from CNM Terrariums, and basically, again, a hobbyist that was noticed there might be a market for something in there, which I don't think there's anything wrong for. One of the rants that I had on this last video is the fact that, yeah, there's some way to make money. People are going to do it. Well, yeah, that's kind of how it works, and I totally get it. And sometimes when they do it, they come up with a really cool product that's worth buying. So in this case, she called and said that she they got tired of ripping out the screens of the exoterrace. And I totally get that one because I'm sitting here right now and I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them that are brand new sitting on the floor that I have been too lazy to rip the screens out of. So I, it's, it's an easy enough fix. There's a couple fix a buddy of mine basin that does, he has um, a YouTube channel, has an Instagram channel. He has a way of doing them. that's very, very easy. He basically takes the plastic, cuts the plastic, the shape, drills the holes in it. And then he glues that right on the other underside of the, the screen. So he doesn't have to bother ripping or cutting the screen out, which is brilliant. So if you want a super quick fix, quick and easy, Great way to do it. Use, a, I believe, aquarium-grade silicone right around the side. Stick that thing in there. You're done. It's just the drilling and the cutting of the plastic can take time. I, that's usually what ends up bogging me down is when you replace these, it's cutting the, the plexiglass or the acrylic, drilling all the holes in it, ripping the thing out. It's just a pain. So what happened was she decided, you know what, maybe we could make something to replace these. So it's not a matter of having to go in there and retrofit the whole thing. You just toss the original one out and we can make something that you can use in there. And they came up with these really cool 3D printed inserts that take the place of the original ones that are completely made of plastic. There's a clear window in the middle of them. So it's kind of hard to describe, but picture the top of one of those things. There's a nice frame around it. And then there's a vent on the bottom made of plastic. It's a, it's, there's little cuts. It's like a lattice, lattice type design on it, but very, very small. So I don't even think a tarantula could get its fang in it. And there's one on the top, one on the bottom. And in the middle, there is a clear window so you can see your tarantula. They look fantastic. So she asked if she could send me one because she appreciated the fact that I brought up this issue to them, which I thought was nice. And I said, well, let me check out your Facebook page. I checked out the Facebook page, said, I really want to try some of these out. So I ordered a couple more to make sure that I could try them out again. I like to buy the stuff too. So they came in yesterday and I'm so excited to do a video on these. Now, they they do cost money. So let's put that right out there. So I know there's going to be people out there that go, why would I bother spending this much money on it when I could do it myself? That's your thing. Totally get it. I, a while back when I didn't have 
you know, wasn't as well situated as I am now. And when I was buying more spiders, I would probably say, you know what, why spend money on this when I can buy more spiders? But I'm at a point now in my collection where I'm not buying as much and therefore I can afford to upgrade some things. And to be able to upgrade those enclosures right now without having to go down into the garage and rip all that stuff out and get the silicone out is very convenient for me. I like, I don't mind paying a little bit of money for convenience. So I believe that the cost is, uh, I want to, uh, let, let me just check my notes here. There we go. The eight by eights are $12. The 12 by 12s are $28. So it is an investment. It is some money. I will tell you, I like what I've seen so far. I will be doing a video on them. I get that people are like, you know what, for cost of silicone, plexiglass, I could just do them for a lot cheaper. Absolutely. If you want to put the labor in, you can do them for cheaper. They do look very pretty. They are very convenient for me. I mean, what happens is I already have these ones sitting here, so it's almost like that cost has already been absorbed. So I'm not thinking about the fact that I spent, you know, 45 bucks for each of the big, I, I have the 12 by 12s and the, the 12 by 12 by 12s, the 12 by 12 by 16s, and some of the 8 by 8 by 12s all sitting here, just not getting used. To be able to just slap these lids on and not have to worry about the screen or getting out the silicone. It's worth it for me. I completely understand if other people are like, you know what, I'm not spending that kind of money. I totally get it. But again, it's raising awareness for there'll be a bunch of people out there that don't want to spend the money to do it themselves. There'll be other people out there that don't even bother swapping the screens out. And then there will be people out there that go, you know what, this is totally worth it. You're my audience. You're who I'm speaking to at the moment. So anyway, again, just bringing awareness. I like them. You'll be seeing them in some of my videos. It's going to make it a lot easier. I, I don't. Again, I'm at a point in my career where my career in the hobby with my collection where I'm not buying as many animals, so I can afford to go out and pick up some of the nicer stuff and show what's out there and have my collection look nice. So when it's sitting in the background and I'm doing one of my silly videos, people can go, "Wow, he's got some really nice enclosures." So those are the two things I wanted to talk about today as far as just stuff I've reviewed. And uh, thanks to both Reinhold and Susan for hooking me up with these wonderful products. I'm, I'm glad I was able to try them out and show them off. And uh, hopefully some of you guys check them out. And if you do, let me know because I do like hearing if people get them. I know I did the BioDuda thing a, a ways back. And I still use BioDude. That's something that not only they did send me a bunch of free stuff to begin with, and I felt guilty about it, and I didn't like it. And so I went back and ordered a bunch of other stuff that I've ordered, I don't know, maybe 20 times now from them, 15, 20 times. So that is a place I do, you know, I promote them only because it's something I use, but I've heard from people that have picked up the stuff because they saw it in my videos and really like it, and I, I love hearing that. So for the main topic today, it won't be a really long one because I've covered this one before, but I feel like I need to address it because it's been popping up a little bit lately. I just had a, a discussion with a buddy of mine about it, is the old H word humidity. Now, what I will explain what's bringing this up. It, it comes up quite a bit, but I think it, it bears repeating because it's something that no matter how many times I cover it and talk about it, I still get questions about it. And what's happened lately is I've gotten some comments on my videos. One of them, it, it bothered me only because the person didn't seem to get the point of why I don't cover humidity. But the question was, I love your, the, the comment was, I absolutely love your videos. Unfortunately, I always find that you're missing important information. For example, you always forget to mention the humidity requirements. How am I supposed to know what humidity my tarantula needs? And that one kind of stung me because I'm like, I purposely do not mention specific humidity requirement requirements for a reason. And I will get into that in a moment. 
And then a lot of times what I get is just the general, and it's not, they're not being mean about it. And I, and I get it's probably folks that are new to the hobby that have read all these care sheets with these humidity requirements, or they've seen somebody on YouTube that's got humidity requirements, and they start to freak out that, oh my gosh, I have to have the correct humidity. But a lot of times it's just people coming on going, hey, thanks so much for your video. Can you please tell me what the humidity requirements are? Now, if you watch my videos, I usually mention whether the species is moisture dependent. I talk about whether or not it requires moist substrate. So for example, an arid species, we would say this is an arid species. It likes it dry. You can give it a water dish. It's totally fine. You don't have to moisten anything down. For a species that back in the day, we would say require quote unquote high humidity, which I hate that phrase. And I will explain why in a moment. For those species, I will put in, you need to keep them moist as slings. You need to keep them moist as juveniles. You need to keep them moist as adults. You need to make sure they have access to fresh water at all times. You can mist if you want, but honestly, the misting isn't as good as the fresh water. And I have done whole videos on how to, a whole video on how to keep substrate moist correctly, meaning you don't need to drench the substrate so the top layer always stays moist and marshy. That way you're going to end up with a bacteria pit. You're going to end up probably with a dead, dead spider because it's way too moist. The idea is to dump the or put the water in in a way that's almost like simulating a rain shower try to hit those corners of the enclosure and the sides of the enclosure so the water goes down soaks into those bottom layers so what happens is the top dries out which keeps the spider from sitting in moist damp dank substrate all day long but the moisture as it releases and i hate to mention this word but it does increase the humidity inside the enclosure and then the other thing is to always keep in mind that you need good ventilation. That's something back in the day, I believe it was a tarantula keeper's guide, taught you how to cover up a top of it. I may be misspeaking here, and I love the book. It's it's one that I had when I first got into the hobby, but there are some things in it that we don't quite do anymore. But I believe there was a whole spot about talking how to restrict ventilation in like 10-gallon tanks to make sure that the inside stays nice and humid. And the thing with humidity is you do not need to measure humidity inside of each of your aquariums. I will say it again. If you're doing that, as far as I'm concerned, you're wasting your time. You're spending extra money on hygrometers, probably those cheap ZooMed hygrometers that really don't, all they do is kind of give you a ballpark. Humidity is high, humidity is low. And in the worst case scenario, what happens is, and this is why I don't mention humidity. Say I put one of my videos, I used to even put like what the humidity was, where the region they came from. And what happens is somebody looks at that and goes, these are from the jungles in Brazil and the humidity inside there is 90%. So I need to keep my spider at 90% or it's going to die, which is not true. And then what they will end up doing is adding, they will set up these enclosures. They will put their cheap Zoomed hygrometer in it. They will probably not put enough air holes or cross ventilation in to make sure that there is good airflow in it. They will soak down that substrate and they will watch that hygrometer obsessively. And they will watch the hygrometer start because there's going to be natural, if you've ever done this, and I'm, I'm sure there's people out there who have done it before. I've done it before, flat out. I had a couple of enclosures. My T-Sturmy enclosure, my first T-Sturmy I got, I had one of those hygrometers in it and I was driving myself nuts and I knew better. But it was just having that thing there because what happens is say it's the winter time you you fill it all up during the day it's a little you know the heat it's, sun's out the house is a little warmer overall the heat isn't running as much you'll see that humidity level go way up it's like 85 percent. you're like oh my gosh this guy's gonna perfect condition for it i read that they need to be 85 or 90 then what happens is nighttime comes along sun goes out house cools down heater your heat kicks on and what ends up happening is the 
outside starts drying out a bit. If you have good ventilation, the inside of that enclosure dries out a little bit and you watch the hygrometer start to dip. And all of a sudden you you wake up in the morning, it's at 75, like, oh no, it's going to die. So you start pouring more water in. Well, no, you don't need more water in there. You're just trying to keep the humidity level up a bit so it doesn't get too dry. And it's more about just keeping those lower levels moist. The majority of species are out there. We always forget that this. when spiders are outside, we look at what the temperatures and the humidity is on the surface. What we don't take into consideration is a lot of these animals use burrows, which put them in an area where, A, the temperature is much more mild. So it may be 95 degrees outside, but if it has a two-foot burrow going into the ground, guess what? It's going to be like in the 70s, maybe even 60s. I believe there's an actual, they've measured burrows at certain depths and there's an actual temperature that's it's usually around and it's much lower than you would normally expect so now I put like you know we're concentrating on humidity here but we'll bring temperature into it now I've just gone on I've seen that this species needs it at 85 degrees when in fact in the wild it's not getting anywhere near 85 degrees because during those hot days where it's really the sun's beating down and the earth might be parched up top it's in a burrow where not only does it have that extra it's a bit cooler but there's more humidity because it's going to dig down into the moisture soil that's the thing we always need to consider that's why we in the hobby now the majority of people that are in it don't mention humidity we talk about moisture do they need moisture do they need more substrate honestly the easiest way to deal with moisture requirements for me is to make sure you you're on a substrate scrooge a substrate scrooge is somebody who goes in there and goes well i read this was terrestrial so i'm giving it two inches of substrate and a little coconut hide and then it's good some species if they do have that moisture dependency or if it's a species that would appreciate a little more moisture you want to give them extra substrate so that you can keep that moisture level up on those bottom levels and allow the top to dry up. That's the trick. That's why a lot of species that I rehouse, even though they're technically terrestrials, I'll give them an extra few inches of substrate so that when I moisten it down, it stays moist. But the problem with humidity, is it, now let's just cover this right off the bat because I don't deal in absolutes. So is it wrong to put humidity gauges in all your enclosures? Nope. Let's get that right out of the way. Nothing wrong with that. You can't I wouldn't look anybody in the eye. If somebody wants to measure the humidity inside their enclosures, that's fine. And a lot of keepers that have been around for a while that, you know, have done this throughout the hobby. Maybe they started early on and they were measuring it. They're very obsessive about this. They know, and people that breed, obviously with some of the species out there that we have trouble breeding, we find out, you know, eventually that it has to do with the situation as far as the atmosphere. Some of them require a dry off period. Some of them require a moist period. And that's a situation where if you're planning on breeding those species, yes, you need to pay attention to the fact that, you know, I need it to be really dry during this part of the year. I need it to be very moisture in this part of the year however for the majority of us especially folks that are just getting into the hobby and not breeding and not planning on doing in this having that humidity number there it does nothing for you but basically create insanity again i'm speaking i'm sure there are people listening to this right now that started off in the hobby that use the hygrometers again i use the hygrometers when i believe it was two different tanks the sturmy one was the one i remember driving myself nuts but why i bristle when people put humidity requirements is because as much as you may be saying and i've, I've seen videos where people will go i'm just putting this up there as kind of a ballpark you don't have to do this but all they hear is 80 to 85 percent humidity they're not listening to the other part of it they're not recognizing the fact that, and I've brought this up before as well, 
just because there is high humidity in the region they come from doesn't necessarily mean that they require or like high humidity. I always use the example of me being from Connecticut, a state where we get, you know, really nice cold winters and I actually enjoy the cold weather. But in the summertime, like if you looked at what I lived in, say we were just, we're looking at this animal, Tom Moran, and we're trying to figure out what conditions it needs to be in. Somebody might look at that and go, wow, it's, it's 90 degrees in the summer, 90% humidity. I got to make sure he has high humidity and high heat. No, because guess what Tom does during those really hot, sticky days? He goes into his burrow. He goes into his much cooler air-conditioned house away from the sun where the conditions are not so hot and not so humid. That's the burrow effect for tarantulas. They use it to escape those kind of extreme temperatures. So when somebody puts on their thing, these guys need 75 to 80% humidity. People that are new to the hobby that haven't been doing this for a while latch onto that. And then we create scenarios where they're going nuts trying to keep these levels up because they think if they let it dip, the tarantula is going to die. And that is not a myth. That is the honest God truth. I cannot tell you guys the number of emails I have received from people that are help. I don't know what to do. My T. Sturmy's humidity level just dropped down to 75. I'm afraid it's going to die. Will it be okay if I pour some more water in and get it back up to 90? Will it be okay if it's only like that for a couple hours? And you're like, oh God, yeah, it's totally fine. And then I have to go into like trying to deprogram this idea that they have an ideal humidity that they have to hit. I have to go in and explain, listen, just make Make sure your substrate's moist. Moisten your substrate. Keep those bottom two or three inches moist at all times. Let the top dry out. That one usually blows people's mind. I can let the top dry out. I'm, it's getting it's getting dry up there. That's totally fine. You want that. You want it to dry up at top on the top and stay moist on the bottom. Get a big water dish in there. If you're afraid that it's getting too dry too quickly, if you're like worrying because the heat's kicking on, you've got a lot of cross ventilation and it's drying out when the heat kicks on then go ahead and add an extra water dish. There's nothing saying you can't add two water dishes. I had one of my, my T-Sturmy mail back when I finally ripped the hygrometer out and threw it across the room. And basically what I just did is put two water dishes in there, kept the bottom levels moist. It was perfectly fine. So that's the reason why I'm so against people mentioning humidity in, you know, whether it be a YouTube video or a care sheet is because it, without the, explanation to go along with it. And even sometimes if you explain, you're in the middle of it and you go, yeah, by the way, this is just kind of a ballpark. People don't hear that. They get hung up on the numbers. Trust me, I've seen it with temperature. I've seen it with humidity. And what you end up with, if you're micromanaging your collection to the point where, say I'm new to the hobby and I've got 20 different, um, 20 is probably too high. We'll say 10 different spiders up there. And each of those spiders has a little hygrometer. And you've just read that my... GBB needs it at 50% humidity, which let me just tell you, GBB, you don't need to worry about humidity. You just can put a water dish in there. They're perfectly fine. As a matter of fact, when people started keeping them for the first time, they read that they came from a place that was very humid. They were given the moist enclosures and they were all dying. So there's one that you shouldn't even be looking at humidity for. You don't even bother. Like there's certain species, you don't even look at humidity. The Brachypelma species, don't even worry about it. But Say you've got the GBB in there, then you've got a P. murinus, then you've got a, I don't know, uh, we'll go a Salmopeus pulker, then you've got, uh, we'll go Panthobedia species. You've read that the Panthos needed at 80% humidity. You've read that the pulker needs it at 90% humidity. You've read that the P. murinus needs low humidity. So now you've got all these little 
hygrometers in there and you're bouncing around trying to keep these numbers and people legitimately do this. I've seen photos of collections where people have them all lined up and all their hygrometers are like different showing different numbers. They're going nuts in there. You don't need to worry about that. The, a lot of what I do as far as Thomas Big Spiders is concerned is try to demystify the hobby and make it less daunting for people that are just getting into it. I mean, again, I hope I do stuff for people that are just, a lot of my care videos, I'm hoping people that have been around for a while just go, hey, Tom's kept the species before he seemed to have success with it. This is good for me. So I'm trying to appeal to them as well. But a lot of what I do, a lot of the time I spend answering questions and emails are for people that are just getting into the hobby. And the idea about a lot of what I produce is trying to make it so that you realize it's not as complicated as you think when you first get into it. I can remember first getting into it. I can remember looking at those humidity numbers and going, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? I remember it was right around when I really got heavy into the hobby and started buying slings. It was it was getting to be wintertime and the heat was kicking on and the air was, I had two different things that measured the humidity. They were both dropping. I'm like, what am I going to do? All I did was create a bunch of extra stress. And that's not what the hobby should be about. That's not what we should be doing. So the reason I'm so against putting the humidity requirements is A, they're bogus, they're BS. They're not, there's no humidity requirements. What you need to know is does this tarantula appreciate some moisture? That's the wording I like to use. And again, I guess it's not wrong to say humidity because when it comes down to it, we probably are, and we're talking about humidity inside the enclosure, but putting that word on there gives you something that you can measure, gives you something that somebody can go out and look at numbers, and we don't want it to be that specific. We don't want it to be that restrictive. We want people to recognize there's a big window in there. So that's, I don't like the numbers on there, and I don't include them. I will never include them. Some of my older stuff, I did put, what I tried to do is because people were, and this is where you succumb to the folks that you're trying to help people would come on and go why aren't you putting humidity requirements why aren't you putting humidity requirements so I did do a thing and there's probably still a couple of them. I think I pulled them all down but I did an at a glance or something like that when I was just doing the website and doing the my care guides and my care notes and I would put like the humidity range that they would have in the wild but then I would just kind of put like moisture dependent levels and the problem is people would look at that and go nuts trying to hit those humidity requirements so I ended up pulling all those things down eventually and the reason I put them up there was because of like people coming on going why don't you have humidity everybody else has humidity why don't you have humidity and I'm like because I don't measure humidity but I put them up there it was a bad move I would never do it again so I no longer include it in my videos the other issue that isn't discussed a lot again you've got the burrow factor the fact that bottom line if your tarantula needs moisture if it's a moisture dependent species I don't care if it's and this which drives me nuts as far as as arboreal setups. People go, arboreals, you only need an inch or so of substrate. Not if you have a moisture-dependent arboreal. You want to give them, a lot of them, A, will dig, especially the old world ones, will dig and burrow early on, right up through adulthood sometimes. So you want to give them that option. But also, if I have, say, an ovaliolosopes that requires, it's one of the species that we think requires moisture to have good molts, you don't want to let it dry out too much, the best way to set that thing up isn't with two inches of substrate because it's going to dry out much more quickly. Put four or five inches of substrate in there. Moisten it down, let the top dry off, let the bottom stay moist, and you have a situation where now you don't have to worry about it because you know that as long as that line that demarks the moist substrate is high enough and you have a water dish in there, that spider's going to be just fine. So it drives me nuts when people do arboreal setups and they're like, oh, we need a couple inches of substrate in here. Not necessarily. Always look to see if it's a moisture-dependent species. I always say add more in there so that it's easier to make sure that you keep it up. If you don't, if you only put a couple inches in there, it means you're adding water more often than not, or at least more often than you would if you had a lot, and you want to avoid making it more difficult. Again, work, what is it? Work smarter, not harder. But besides 
The burrow aspect, the other thing that people forget about sometimes is I talk to a lot of folks from the Philippines. They'll come in and I forget about this sometimes. I've got to start adding the little tag. I've already made a little tag for my future videos to make sure that the the humidity part and moisture part is discussed. If you're in the Philippines and you're keeping a tropical species, you've already got the perfect climate for it. And what will happen is somebody will read, and I've had this and had to apologize. People come on and go, oh, you have to keep the substrate really moist. And I'm like, where are you in the Philippines? Like, actually... Pump the brakes. Put a water dish in there. Your actual humidity in the air is probably perfectly fine for it. So if you're in a state or a country where it is much more humid all the time, then you're not going to have to worry about this stuff. I've spoken to people from Florida that, you know, they have it in a room that's not air conditioned. The room is always quite humid. You don't have to worry about this stuff as much. It's overkill if your humidity in that room is already 80% and you're going in there and flooding the thing with water trying to keep the substrate. You can keep a moist corner. You can keep overflow of the water dish. But overall, you don't have to worry about that at all because you've already got the perfect climate. You've already got the perfect humidity, there I said it, for the species. So to encapsulate, is it wrong to put hygrometers in all of your enclosures? No, it's not. I want to make sure that point is put in there because I don't want anybody to, you know, walk away from this and go, Tom said you shouldn't have them in there. I, I think my impression is it just makes things, it overcomplicates things. You don't need them. I keep an entire room full. Right now we have a hundred and 28 species in here, 230 something tarantulas. They all have different setups depending on how much, you know, different depths of substrate, different, you know, the ones that need moist substrate, get the moist substrate. They all have water dishes. My guys do just fine. I don't have any. The other things, you know, we'll just briefly hit on temperature. When people come out and say, yep, you need to keep them at 80 degrees. You do not need to keep them at 80 degrees. Will you get faster growth at 80 degrees? Probably. Do you need to keep them at 80 degrees to get fast growth? No, I have plenty of proof of that sitting right around me now as I speak. This isn't me just blabbing out there trying to be, you know, a contrarian to folks that say that you need certain temperatures. It's saying from experience, I've spoken to many other keepers. We all keep ours in the 70s, low 70s during the winter time. Sometimes it hits 80 during the summer, but I don't heat it to 80 degrees. They will do just fine without the heat. We've gone into the heat thing before. Again, just like humidity, as soon as you put an ideal temperature on there people are going to try to hit that temperature they're going to be living in homes that obviously aren't 80 degrees unless they're living with older folks that jack up the heat like my grandmother used to do they're in a home that may be 68 or 70 now they're freaking out what do I do and next thing you know what we've got heat mats we've got heat rocks we've got people sending me pictures with the red heat lamps over an avicularia tank and the avicularia hugging that thing probably about to die because it's going to be dehydrated that sets up a situation where people are going to harm their tarantulas when they think they're doing the right thing by them. And we don't want that. So that's why I get so frustrated when I hear the H word. That's why when I watch a video or read a care guide and they're like, you need these at 80 degrees and they need 80% humidity. And it's a species that I've raised with neither of these requirements. In one case, it was a species I bred before, so it doesn't even need them for that. That bothers me because I know it's going to lead for, to a lot of stress for the keeper, possibly dead spiders when they're in dank tanks or when they're you know fried because they tried heating elements. Here's the deal. If you're doing your research, you should know this already, but some people that are just maybe just hearing me for the first time, like, who is this guy? He's telling me, don't worry about humidity. If you look up a spider and it says it needs moisture, 
then give it moist substrate. Give it more substrate. Give it as much substrate as you can give it with some moisture in it. Uh, Mike's Basic Tarantulas. I love Mike's Basic Tarantulas. People ask me, you know, where do you go? If somebody asks me about a spider that I don't have, I send them a link to Mike's Basic Tarantulas. The guy's a god as far as I'm concerned. He does put the humidity requirements up there, which was always like, when I used to look at his stuff, I'd be like, oh, humidity requirements. But then if you go down and read, he'll tell you exactly how he keeps it. And he'll say, I moisten down part of the substrate. I let it dry out. I I keep it moist all year round. I keep it dry. I keep it in a water dish. He'll tell you exactly how he kept them. So you can kind of ignore that and go down and go, oh, okay, that's easy enough. So he's always one big shout out to him. Love the guy. I, you know, anytime I get something new and I do a search and Mike's comes up, I jump right onto it. I love that green website used to, the green used to kill my eyes, but it's just like home now. But there's an example of somebody that puts them up there. He does put the humidity things up there, but it's more what the humidity was, I believe, where they are in the wild. And then he goes down and tells how he does it. That's what you want to look for. Don't worry about these humidity requirements. Look for people who are going to explain how they set them up. Not 80%. I need 80% humidity all times. Look at somebody that says, all right, I got a water dish and moist substrate in there. It's very easy to keep them. Water dishes, again, still working on that video. Yes, keep sending me footage, although I may be coming at people for more footage because I, I, I had a bunch of them saved on my computer and I can't find the file. So I got to go back through my email and find them all again. We moved and one of my computers went kaput and I think it might have been on it. But anyway, I digress. Water dishes are your best friend. That's one of the reasons why I encourage everybody to put a water dish in there because they avoid those things those situations where the tarantula dries up because it got a little dry. Not only does that water evaporate into the enclosure and create humidity, there you go. So if you're worried about the humidity, it rises up as it evaporates, but it also gives the spider a place to drink. And if you think that doesn't work really well, I have one of my little, I have a bunch of slings right now, like 30 slings that I'm raising up and I have them in a larger plastic container. I did one of my nurseries and all I did was put in the larger plastic container an open cup of water. And there's holes in the side of it. I also keep the cover slightly off of it. So there's a gap there. Just to give you, I did this the other day just to, to prove a point. I measured the overall humidity in the room. It was around 20%. I measured the overall humidity inside that enclosure with a cup of water. I put the little sensor in there and it was 55%. So that shows you how much just that cup of water added to the inside of that thing. Just enough to take the edge off and not high humidity, but enough to keep those little enclosures from immediately evaporating out. So a lot of little tricks you can do. Water dish is a big one. People that like the mist... Try to mist like uh, the best time to mist like before bed's a good one because once the lights go out, they go out and explore and they will drink off the fake leaves and everything. It's kind of like dew and the wild or mist early in the morning. Sometimes they'll come out and get it. But the misting is uh, I don't use misting for my main form of hydration because it evaporates so quickly. You can mist the heck out of an enclosure, but within an hour or so, it's all gone. And if the spider didn't happen to venture out during that time, if it's during you know the morning where the lights are just coming on and the sun's out, it's probably not going to venture out. It's not going to get anything out of it. And your moisture levels inside that tank are going to drop immediately after that. So misting is good as I do. You know, There's a lot out there. It's like, don't miss, don't miss. I do use misting at times. Sometimes I'll go in and you know, I'll mist at night and give them a little something to get on the leaves. Some of my arboreal species will come out and drink off it. It's just you want to time it correctly and not use that as your only form of hydration. So that's my spiel. I will get off my soapbox now, but I do feel like I need to explain that because I know there are some people coming into the hobby and I've had over the years, many people contacting me going, you know, you say you shouldn't worry about humidity. That's going to send a bad example to people because they're not going to worry about moisture in their tarantula cage. No, 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 no. That's not it at all. It's just hard to do a care video and have it flow nicely and have all the information there for you. 
you can't really do that and then get into a huge discussion on humidity. So I got to figure, I've been working on, again, the notes for this to try to explain the humidity situation a bit. So when people come on, they don't think, because I have had people come on and think, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about because I don't mention humidity. I mean, I remember one particular, the guy was like, your stuff is garbage. You don't even mention humidity. How am I supposed to know? He was not very happy about it. And I came back and tried to explain myself and I, he never responded back. So hopefully he saw it and realized, no, I, that's, that's, I'm tr doing that purposefully because we don't need to worry about arbitrary numbers. We don't, that's the worst thing. The last thing you need somebody that's getting into moisture dependent species to do. Back to my example that I started, that I've referred to a couple times with the T. Sturmy. I set up an enclosure. I set it up ahead of time. I had my little hygrometer in there and I was obsessively watching that thing. And I was one of those people that when winter came and the inside of that dropped a little bit, I freaked out and started pouring more water in it. Next thing you know it, I have mold, I have fungus. That's bad for the spider when all it needed was some moist substrate. So what it eventually did, it burrowed. And guess what? The inside of that burrow, that's what I should probably do. Actually, I think I will do this and maybe we'll report on it next time is I have my little sensor there that my buddy Lewis gave me to measure the humidity and temperature in the room. I think what I will do is I will create a burrow create a, 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 a say a, an enclosure for a fossorial species. We'll make a burrow in it and I'll put that inside the burrow and we'll have the top of the substrate be dry. We'll have the bottom of the substrate be moist and we'll see what the humidity is inside the burrow. I think that'd be a real, I just want to do that for fun. I think I'll do that after I do this. That'll be kind of fun. A little science experiment. So, so that, that's my spiel on this. Again, I think it's good to cover it every once in a while. It's just kind of a reminder. And I do love being able to point people in the direction of the podcast when they ask a question that's kind of more than I really feel like. Sometimes I'm going through the other day, I answered 143 comments on YouTube and a lot of them weren't quick like, hey, thanks so much. It was like, I have a question for you. And I just don't have the time sometimes to get into these is in detail as I would like to. So from now on, I can just point people to this, say, hey, if you have some time, please listen to my thoughts on this. This would explain why I'm not a proponent of putting humidity requirements or temperature requirements in care guides or care videos or whatever. And this is my thought process on it. And hopefully this will help explain it. And people will go, oh, hey, that that's great. Now I understand. And this will make the hobby a lot easier for me. So that will do it for this one. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate the podcast audience. You guys are awesome. And I, I get a lot of comments now. It's great. I go to answer my YouTube comments and a lot of, uh, of the comments are people going, hey, just wanted to drop by and say I love the podcast, which is awesome. So I really do appreciate that. And again, I like the fact that I like the long format. I love that I get to go off. So there'll be less of me in the future. I am starting to finally line up. Just full disclosure, Billy and I are still haven't gotten rid of the old house yet. We've been kind of going over there and fixing stuff up, painting a, a lot of work on Sundays. It's kind of taken a huge chunk of my day out. And so I haven't lined up any of the actual guests yet, but we have some people coming up and I'll be getting in contact with them and we'll be setting up some time to do it. I just make want to make sure I have the time to properly do these, but you'll be hearing a little less of me, a little more of other people working them in. That was always the goal from season one. Now here we are in season four, finally doing it. So that is coming. I haven't forgot about it. We now, now that we tried it out and everything, we have the actual software we're using for it. It works great. We're all lined up. So those will be coming in the future. We'll be probably doing one or one or two a month or so for a little while. And again, the, the idea is to get people on there. It'll give you a different perspective than I give. So as always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me on Thomas Big Spiders on YouTube. Uh, again, for those of you interested in looking up those enclosures, pop over to my YouTube page. It's the first or YouTube channel, whatever they call it. It's the It should be the first video up, and that'll give you an idea of what to look for. That'll do it for this time. As always, guys, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next time.